Hello and welcome to Fourth Estate, a show about journalism. We are coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on the Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. I'm Marlene Even. We all have moments where the news can feel overwhelming. You might even have friends and family that downright avoid the news. Some out of fatigue, others out of frustration, and of course there are some that are just not that interested. In the annual digital news report, more than two-thirds of Australians surveyed are actively avoiding the news. So what implications does this have for the media industry? The Digital News Report is a comprehensive global study that comes out of the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford. In Australia, academics at the University of Canberra's News and Media Research Centre unpack the national findings. This week, we are asking why some people are tuning out or avoiding the news altogether and what the Australian Digital News Report findings say about Australians' trust in the media. To answer all this and more, we are joined by Dr Kieran McGuinness, the Digital News Report Postdoctoral Fellow at the News and Media Research Centre at the University of Canberra. Kieran, welcome to For the State. Thanks very much for having me, Marlene. Now, this report is a big annual event for media research. So can I start by asking for a bit of context on the Australian audience? Are we heavy news consumers or light news consumers? And and how do we compare to other countries? Uh, Australians are among the lightest news consumers in the world, Um, but we we have slightly improved uh, from last year. We're no longer the lightest in the world. We do tend to sort of uh, linger down the bottom uh, we are sort of less interested uh, in news generally, and but that's part of a global declining uh, interest in news across many different countries. In, in terms of the media report, could you give us a quick scope of what this report, it's across 46 countries, how is it, how is it put together? So the Digital News Report project is a survey of audiences and it asks questions about news consumption, media use, and perspectives on journalism. So this is the eighth year that we've conducted the survey in Australia uh, in collaboration with the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford. And it's been running since 2012. So the Australian survey is an online sample of about 2,000 individuals with the panel being provided by YouGov. And uh, we weight the sample by age, gender, region, and uh, education level as well as voting history, so that it is a representative cross-section of the community. And the report found that more than two-thirds of Australians surveyed are avoiding the news, which is quite alarming. Do we know why that is? So news avoidance is quite high in Australia, and it has been increasing over the years. So we asked this question before in 2017 and 2019, And in 2017, only 57% of Australians said that they often, sometimes or occasionally avoid news. That jumped to 62% in 2019, and it's jumped to uh, 68% in 2022. 
So the number one reason why people say that they avoid news uh, is because there's too much coverage of subjects like politics and coronavirus. Uh, this is followed very closely by people saying that, you know, the news has a very negative effect on their mood and that they are worn out by the amount of news there is these days. Um, women and younger people are slightly more likely to avoid news uh, than other demographics. And in general, under 35s are the most likely to be avoiding news. And there are some sort of important differences in reasoning between men and women as well. So women are much more likely to say that they are avoiding it because uh, there is too much coverage of subjects like politics and coronavirus than men, whereas men are more likely to say they are avoiding it because it is untrustworthy or biased. Right, that's really interesting. There's that disparity between men and women for these different reasons. Is there a difference in, in generations? So yeah, uh, absolutely. Gen Y are the biggest news avoiders. About 79% of Gen Y say they often sometimes or occasionally avoid news. Uh, and the least likely to avoid news are those 76 plus, only 59% say that they avoid uh, news in that generation. And I wonder, is this necessarily a bad thing? I mean, over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of um, attention towards recommending people to limit their doom scrolling um, for for the sake of mental health. So is news avoidance necessarily a bad thing? I think it's quite difficult because uh, as researchers, we don't want to make uh, qualitative judgments about whether any particular choice uh, a consumer makes is good or bad. Certainly, I think in my personal view, uh, it, it may be a, a bad thing in terms of uh, people's knowledge and awareness of, and ability to participate in communities and societies and ability to participate in a democracy, there certainly is some uh, issue there that may cause concern, uh, particularly for academics and politicians, that more and more people are actually switching off and not engaging in public discourse. And as such, may be less likely to uh, have an informed opinion when they go to the polling booths. And have we seen a shift in Australian news consumption over the years? You mentioned there at the start that Australians have quite light news consumption. Has it changed? And, and could you tell us about that COVID trust bump? Yes, yeah, so news consumption increased uh, quite significantly in the early part of 2020. So we did another study in uh, April of 2020 that saw general trust in news rise to 53%, which is quite high. News consumption also really skyrocketed in that, in that period of time. And this was at a time when there was a, more or less sort of a consensus in politics. And a lot of the news reporting was quite informational in focus. A lot of the reporting was about ways that you could uh, stay safe from COVID-19 and stay healthy uh, and do social distancing and take care of yourself. Um, but when we looked again in 2021, as things were starting to return back to COVID normal, uh, trust had decreased quite significantly, as well as news consumption had decreased quite significantly. Trust would return back to uh, 43% in 2021 and is 41% now. Right, so we are going back down then. The trend is, is decreasing back to pre-COVID levels. Yes, that's correct. Uh, we are sort of returning to the long-term average, which is a sort of slow decline in trust in Australia. 
the interesting part about this study is to think about with the news avoidance, what is in the media's control and what is kind of outside of the media's control? What What is it about the way that the media is reporting? And what is it just about the fact that, you know, we've got COVID, we've got natural disasters, we've got all these, we've got a war, we've got all these big events happening. So in terms of what the media can control, does this news avoidance reflect a disconnect between the media and their audience? I think it represents a disconnection that may have already been there, as well as a growing reliance on social media and people sort of naturalizing to an environment uh, online, which is a very low trust space for news. Certainly, uh, when we look at trust overseas, some of the countries with the lowest levels of trust in news are the ones that have the most partisan and polarized media environments. Uh, Finland has a very, very high level of trust. 69% of people there say that they trust news. Uh, and something that's characteristic about Finland has been very uh, consensus-based media and consensus-based politics with very few instances of people saying, you know, that the media, disparaging the media as being fake news. Whereas the USA has the lowest level of trust in news in the world. Uh, 26% of people there say that they trust news generally. And uh, it's particularly low because those right-wing audiences are very, very low in, in trust. Only about 14% of right-wing audiences in the US say that they trust news. However, there are other factors that I think are more within the control of uh, individual journalists than just the broader political uh, and, and partisan environment. Certainly, Journalists need to think about two sort of factors. One is, are they providing the news that people are most interested in? And the second is, are they providing news that reflects the audience that they're speaking to? And this is sort of something that has come up in terms of uh, motivations for accessing news and data for this, uh, this year's report. And in last year's report, we looked at diversity and representation and perceptions of trust as they're related to people perceiving themselves to be adequately and fairly covered in news. And that's interesting because when you look at the groups that are avoiding the news the most, you mentioned their um, women and, and Gen Y, Gen Z. Is that the disconnect with those particular audiences? Is that possibly why we're seeing them avoid the news? I do think that that is a, a very strong possibility. Uh, so we do know from the data from last year's digital news report that women were much more likely to say that they weren't receiving enough coverage. And very particularly young women uh, said that they weren't being covered fairly, much more so than men. Um, people of, uh, particularly from regional areas, said that they weren't receiving enough coverage and that they weren't being fairly covered either. Uh, the interesting factor is that those who did feel that they were being fairly covered by age, by gender or by ethnicity, were much more likely to say that they trusted news. Those who thought that they were being unfairly covered, particularly uh, people who thought that their gender or their ethnicity was being unfairly covered, were more likely to distrust the news. And I think it's also a great opportunity to reach those audiences. What comes to my mind is thinking about The Guardian Australia's use of TikTok or um, a daily the Daily Oz using Instagram to get to their audiences. And that's like a gap in the market where they are providing 
explainers and information to, to particularly young audiences and providing that content to those audiences where they are. So effectively going to the audience rather than asking the audience to come to them. Yeah, we have been uh, doing a fair bit of research in the last 20 years on uh, diversity and representation in the Australian news industry. And it is sort of a case of uh, repeatedly people are saying again and again, particularly for senior management positions, there is low representation for women. Uh, and in the newsroom, there is uh, an underrepresentation for people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. And many of us sort of scratch our heads and say, you know, what's the issue here? We have 50% of Australians, more than 50% of Australians are women, and uh, almost 30% of Australians are born overseas. Why doesn't the news industry reflect the population that it's actually supposed to be serving? You're listening to Fourth Estate on the Community Radio Network. This week, we're talking about news fatigue and the annual digital news report with Dr. Kieran McGuinness. Now, I want to touch on an interesting finding in that report, which is one of the topics that Australians are most interested in, which is local news, and that's actually above the global average. So can we dig into into that for a bit? What impact does that have on, I guess, our, our, our national media identity? I think it's quite tough because in recent years we've seen a slow centralisation of news production, particularly as regional newsrooms are closing and uh, more jobs are heading to the metro and the urban areas. Uh, we've also seen a consolidation of uh, brands and a, a consolidation of uh, certain jobs within uh, the newsroom where you, you're seeing certain roles are being combined into one uh, overarching role rather than being spit, split out into different beats that would be able to cover uh, more specific parts of the community. It is quite interesting that uh, local news is still sort of king in Australia. Uh, you know, that's, that seems like it might be a remnant of the print and uh, television broadcasting era when we talk about social media also rising in the ranks. But if news outlets are not offering local news, uh, then people will find alternatives. And that's kind of where alternative news sources and social media have really broken in and started stealing a fair bit of the market by providing local news alternatives that the national uh, coverage uh, do not. And I suppose with the future concentration of media in this country, we are seeing local news and news choices um, actually decreasing so if, this, if the trend showing many Australians are switching off from the news continues, is the media industry shooting itself in the foot? I, w I wouldn't necessarily say that they're shooting themselves in the foot. I think it has, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with their choice of which business model that they want to, and each outlet, which business model they want to actually adopt in the future. Uh, certainly, some outlets have gone down the route of targeting smaller but very loyal groups of, um, of audience members, and others have decided to go down a route that is more uh, generalist, approaching as broad an audience as you possibly can. Uh, and there are varying opinions on whether either route have been uh, financially successful, uh, particularly given that paying for news in Australia is very low, globally speaking. 
Uh, it did increase this year, but still only 18% of Australians say that they pay for news. We are still very much dependent on advertising dollars and advertising is something that has changed irrevocably because of the dominance of digital giants such as Google and Facebook. Everybody at the moment is sort of holding their breath, particularly with the in introduction of the news media bargaining code to see what will happen yet and uh, to see how that code will actually reshape the, uh, the landscape in the media industry. So I don't think that anyone can say at this point that anyone has shot themselves in the foot because there's so much changing in, in the industry right as we speak uh, that, uh, you know, call me in three or four different reports later and I might be able to give you an answer. But right now we don't really know. And I suppose coming back to that idea that, that Australia's interest in local news is above the global average, why do you think that... Why do you think Australia has this interest compared to other countries? I think that there are two factors. Uh, one is obviously to do with how regionally distinct Australia is. I think our newsrooms have always been dominated by cities rather than by national sort of mastheads. Uh, we've always had major news outlets set headquartered in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, and that sort of filters down to the lower levels as well. I mean, it used to be that Every country town in New South Wales and Victoria had its own masthead. So there's a long tradition of uh, isolated regional areas and very long ge geographic sort of uh, jumps in Australia that would lead to a sort of disparate media system. We also have a very strong tradition of public broadcasting, which is uh, somewhat unique in, uh, in the world. Not every country has a stronger public broadcaster and a broadcasting system as Australia does. And our public broadcaster has made a lot of effort to sort of go out into local and regional areas and set up branches in those areas. Uh, and in particular for radio, that's still a, a big source of uh, local news in regional areas is uh, ABC Radio. And where does this fit in with Australians' trust of the media? Because I, I noted that in the report, local and regional newspapers, as well as uh, ABC and SBS, are among the most trusted news brands. So I suppose I'm wondering if covering local issues is a part of that trust. I would certainly agree that uh, given that Australians are saying the, the top reason that they're most interested in news is local news, that they are going to be most trusting towards the outlets that give them what they want. And uh, right now, those outlets that are working the hardest to produce local news tend to be the uh, smaller town and smaller regional area local broadcasters and local newspapers and public broadcasters. I think another factor as well is that um, when we look at the Australian media landscape as a whole, it is actually much less polarised than the United States or even many other countries in the world. We have a relatively centrist population and most of that centrist audience is consuming the mainstream 6pm bulletins on TV and the larger online news outlets and the larger public broadcasters. And for the most part, we don't have large media outlets that are appealing to the fringes in a heavily polarised media environment in the way that you would see in the, in the US. And because we know that there is a link to partisanship and polarisation and uh, 
and trust in media. That sort of leaves Australia in a position where we are actually much less polarised than, uh, than many people think we are. And this does lend to more impartial and you know, non-partisan reporting, which does have a link to trust in news as well. Um, I do want to go back to the basics now and the, the fundamental question of why do we listen to the news? Why do we keep up with the news? And Australians mostly feel a duty to keep themselves informed and to learn about new things. And this idea of consuming news due to a sense of duty is fascinating. I find that's really interesting. Is that reflected in other countries? So it's interesting. Australia is actually one of the highest in the world to say that we feel that we have a duty to keep ourselves informed about the news. Uh, there are a few countries that are higher than us. Uh, Portugal, for example, 55% said that. Uh, Denmark, 48%. But Australia is pretty high at 45% of the po uh, population saying that. There's a little bit of a contrast where many of the countries that are not higher in saying that they have a duty are slightly higher in saying that they feel it's more about entertainment and fun. For example, uh, Taiwan and Thailand, uh, in Taiwan, 37% said that, you know, that they find it often entertaining and fun, while only 22% said that they felt they had a duty to keep themselves informed. In Thailand, 36% said entertainment and fun. Only 17% said that they uh, felt a duty to keep themselves informed. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that could explain this, but my personal view is that it may have a lot to do with established habits of consumption. So Australians are very sort of, you know, rusted on to our habits. And uh, one of the things that's a, a core habit for Australians is switching on the, the 6pm bulletin on TV in the evening uh, and sort of watching through that before we actually move on to the entertainment and the fun of uh, light TV programming afterwards. Uh, TV is still one of the high, the top ways to get uh, news in Australia. And I think it's something that people often forget. Uh, and radio as well is, a, a, is an important uh, small way of, uh, of getting news. It's, it's less than, much less than TV, but people stick to those routines of uh, listening to the radio in the morning uh, when they're driving to work and watching the 6pm bulletin uh, when they get home before dinner. And uh, because they do it on a regular day, on a daily basis, I think it, it becomes a routine and uh, people associate those routines with, with feeling the need to stick to that duty and keeping themselves informed. And you mentioned there that that traditional way of getting news, the 6pm bulletin, um, turning on the radio on your way to work, what about the, I mean, less traditional news? Are we seeing a, a rise or a decrease in, in getting news through social media, through podcasts? Um, are, are we seeing any surprising statistics in, in that sense? Yes, one quite interesting finding this year is we found that Gen Z are actually slightly reducing their reliance on social media uh, for news. The use of social media as a main source uh, has fallen a little bit this year. So it fell by 4% from last year. Uh, and in particular, so young generations, so Gen Z, uh, it's still, social media is still their top source for news, 46%, but there was an eight percentage point drop from last year. 
And that's quite a significant drop in the number of, uh, of Gen Z saying that they're using social media as their main source of news. Instead, for younger people, uh, TV and online news consumption increased. So there are signs that uh, young people are switching off social media, partly because of that fatigue and, and partly because of the uh, avoidance strategies and seeking news more directly, directly and actively through other platforms. And, and according to the report, if we can just touch back on, on trust in news, almost half of Australians believe news organisations in Australia put their political views and commercial interests ahead of what is best for society. How does that link with trust in the media? So it is an interesting that the uh, the key factor here is uh, uh, that audiences who believe that uh, news organisations are putting their own commercial interests or their political interests first are much more likely to say that they distrust the news generally. Uh, and there's sort of a, a, an instance here where the bad behaviour of some news outlets is resulting in lower levels of trust for the industry as a whole. I think one important factor here to point out is that audiences often don't make the kind of fine distinctions that academics and journalists make, um, say, for example, between different news brands, between uh, opinion and news produced by the same brand, or even between news brands and uh, brands that aren't really journalistic in their approach to the production of news. So there is an effect here where the industry as a whole is sort of tarred with the same brush as a, a minority who are actually uh, working in their own political interests or their own commercial interests, and that people encounter those uh, hyperpartisan outlets on social media, or they encounter misinformation and disinformation on social media. And this has a net decrease in their trust overall in all journalism. That's such an interesting point of it being tarnished with the same brush. But I guess um, in terms of being the, the devil's advocate for the savvy news readers, there's a, there's a really interesting point that was made at an international um, journalism festival and they had this really interesting conversation about news fatigue and one of the points that was brought up was when people talk about news fatigue they tend to look at it as why aren't people listening to us why is everyone tired why isn't our news reaching the people we want it to reach instead of looking at why we are uh, what we are not doing that is going to break through to the people that we want to serve in a way that will be useful to those people. And that's a quote from one of the speakers in the International Journalism Festival. But um, I think it's a really interesting point about um, looking at it through that different lens. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting sentiments in that one. Uh, certainly that there is a degree of complacency. As I was sort of talking about earlier, one of the critical things that the industry needs to address is a lack of diversity lack of diversity on screen, a lack of diversity in the sources that they use, a lack of diversity in terms of the people in the newsroom who are actually uh, should be more representative of the community. And while that's been on the agenda uh, for decades, uh, very little has changed and very little movement has actually been made within the industry to make a serious effort to address those lacks of diversity. So there is an issue here where, you know, 
certain outlets have become slightly complacent uh, in that they've taken their audiences uh, for granted and said, you know, we, we've always enjoyed high levels of popularity and consumption and assumed that these levels of consumption would go on forever. Uh, and they have left a precious little time to act and to actually change their uh, industrial uh, and commercial behaviours in a way that would actually win people back on side and demonstrate that they are speaking as a voice for the community and reflecting that community that it serves. I think that is a really uh, strong point to end the discussion on. Kieran, thank you so much for joining for the State. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. On that note, I'd like to thank Dr. Kieran McGuinness for being on Fourth Estate. And thanks for listening to the program. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER and heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. Fourth Estate is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Thanks to the Foundation for their continuing support. Make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk about media, politics and a lot in between. We'll be back with more next week, but in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is FourthEstateAU. Thanks to our executive producer, Anthony Dockerell. I'm Marlene Even. Thanks for listening.